0: we mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 91 of X-Lapsed. And, uh, well, you guys don't know this, but I do. Uh, This is a late-night edition of X-Lapsed. It's just been one of those days. Uh, It's, uh, you know, we're going into the end of the year here, which offers us that that weird double-edged sword where uh, we're kind of invited or demanded to reflect and think about everything you wanted to get done. In the uh, previous, you know, twelve months, and if you're a digital pack rat like me, you've got a lot of evidence of the stuff you did and didn't do. So, uh, <laughs> I've got spent a lot of the day looking over some old scripts and partial scripts and partial projects, and uh, yeah, it's uh, just been one of those days. Um, also, uh, weirdcomicshistory@gmail.com. That email address, I'm locked out. Uh, I don't have access to it anymore, and I'm not sure when I will have access to it. Uh, I had to download a, uh, like a browser app or a browser, I don't know, add-on, whatever they call it for Chrome, uh, for school, and it wouldn't work, so one of the things they tell you to try to do is, you know, clear your history, you know, clear everything out, clear your cookies, your cache, whatever it is, and, uh... I accidentally lost the password to the Weird Comics History uh email box. And when I went to retrieve it, Google did that thing where it's like uh hey we'll you know we'll text you a uh you know some sort of a code to your phone so you can say that you're you. And I figured that that's probably the best way to do this, but unfortunately, it's not my phone number. Um it was Reggie's phone number which was kind of like kicking me while I was down. So no access to Weird Comics History at gmail.com for the moment uh, There were a handful of emails that I hadn't yet gotten to that were in there So if you sent me emails to that address in the past few days Please forward those emails to 90sXMen at gmail.com 90sXMen, no hyphen, at gmail.com So uh, that'll be the email address we're going to go with for at least the little, next little while Until I... Until Google takes their 120 hours or whatever it's going to be Before they let me know whether or not I'm going to ever have access to that account again So with that out of the way Yes, this is a late night edition of X-Lapsed And here we're still on the path to X of 10s I threw a little hashtag in our on our cover art Hashtag X of 10s So if anybody wants to follow along or comment on these stories Please feel free to use that one and uh, if we look at the cover here, it looks like we're in for a knockdown, drag-out fight between Colossus and Omega Red, possibly paying off that info page from an issue or two back, which uh, I wasn't looking forward to, and I guess that's probably a good thing, because it's not going to happen in this book. Um, now, the book we're covering is X-Force, Volume 6, Number 11, at an October 2020 cover date. story is called Red Dawn, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Basil Dua. Basil Dua. Uh, I'll get it one of these days Colors, EFX. Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna Designs, Tom Muller Head of X's Hickman Edits, Robinson White, Zabalski Cover price, $3.99 Went on sale August 12th, 2020 Let's get right on in here Now we open in the healing gardens of Krakoa Where Cecilia Reyes, Beast, and Sage Are looking over some corpses of Russian bad guys Because of course Russian bad guys And I know it's been a minute since we covered an issue of X-Force here on the show, but even still, I feel like we're missing something. Like, are we maybe continuing out of the Pale Girl storyline from Wolverine, not X-Force? I mean, last thing we wrapped up in X-Force was the Terra Verde deal, right? As far as I know, uh, that, the Terra Verde deal, was one of the very few stories in the Dawn of X era that didn't just use Russians as villains, so I'm surprised to see Russians here. I figure this might be a one of those spots where an editorial footnote might have helped. I, I know both books are written by Percy, right? And if you're listening to this show, you probably know that both X-Force and Wolverine are bit, written by Percy as well. If you're a more casual fan, however, what the hell are you going to do? You're going to be completely lost. Which I guess is the, uh, the silver lining is that Marvel's done... Gone out of their way for the last two decades To kill off the very notion of a casual comics fan So we probably don't have very many people to worry about Anyway, back to the issue Cecilia is a bit nervous about conducting a mass autopsy Because the last time they had done one The bodies were all rigged with explosives And she's talking about that weird Reva's Wetworks crew From way back in the first couple of issues of this volume I don't remember their bodies being rigged Um... It's very likely it was It's been a long, long time So, if so, great use of continuity If not, okay Anyway, Cecilia draws her scalpel And then cuts into the first corpse Which reveals A tiny humanoid figure Which springs from the corpse And then stabs her in the throat So Cecilia Reyes is now dead Though, in the sage words of Sage Quote, we can always bring her back Beast comments that this threat is akin to literal Russian nesting dolls, which, I'll concede, is pretty clever. Though, if I were to guess and project, I'd have to suggest that uh, Percy probably came up with the punchline before the joke and then wrote everything to that payoff. Beast also comments that uh, it would appear as though the Russians have figured out a way to bring themselves back from death, not unlike the mutants of Krakoa. And with that, the half-dozen or so other Russian corpses in the room start to wriggle and skelch... As little red humanoids pop out of them. Let's do a roll call Beast, Sage, Dead Cecilia Reyes, Colossus, and Domino. Double page spread of creds here. Then we pick back up in the Savage Land, which is uh, one of my least favorite lands on Marvel Earth. Colossus is here farming some Miracle Mids, uh, like literally dragging a plow behind him. He's visited by Domino, who'd really like to speak with him. But he's not all that interested. In fact, after everything he's experienced of late, he suggests that he might just devote his life back to farming altogether. Domino attempts to reason with him. However, she's interrupted by the arrival of a purple-skinned blonde mutant named Kayla, who seems to have taken a liking to Peter. Info page. It's a story about a Russian writer. Um, it's pretty well written, but doesn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. Back to comics, and we are at the point at Krakoa. Now, Beast is trying to get in contact with Sage, even though when we last saw them, they were literally standing right next to one another. Uh, We see that one of the Russian nesters has accessed a computer terminal and appears to be trying to get a location on Professor X. Shift scenes back to the Savage Land. Colossus notes that the Madroxes are running toward the gateway, which suggests that, you know, something might be up. It also suggests that the mutants of Krakoa are using Madrox dupes as a... Manual laborers. So, how about that? At least he's not using his spare body parts to distract zombies. I guess that's a step up, right? Ugh. Okay, now, many Madroxes are attacked upon trying to enter the gateway, and so Colossus armors up, and he rushes in himself. What he finds on the other side is basically a full-blown war between the X-Men and whatever these Rus- Russian nesters are. And they look like monsters at this point. Uh, they kind of... Their skin kind of resembles Domino's weird Krakoa cannon that Forge gave her back in the day. Speaking of which, Domino is going to go in gl- guns blazing against these monsters here. And she's going to complain that she doesn't have enough ammo to take them down. To which, I gotta ask, why isn't she wearing that gross Krakoa cannon? It's there, right? Anyway, Beast warns that this offensive might just be a diversion. And, uh, well, he's absolutely right. Because elsewhere... Black Tom rushes to the Professor to inform him that the island is under attack. He takes Charles into some veg-like panic room for safekeeping. We see, however, in the tall grass that one of the Russian nesters is hiding and biding its time. Then, with Tom and Chuck out of the way, the nester heads inside wherever the Professor was hanging out and swipes the Cerebro sword. Now, that's the sword that Magneto created... Out of the busted cerebro helmet that Xavier was wearing When he had his brains blown out back in issue number one And I gotta figure, we are on the path to Exitens So I suppose it's time to put some swords in in hands, right? Hmm. From here we go to an info page And it's more on that Russian writer And uh, there's a bit where it's written in Cyrillic Which we have seen a number of times in this book of late And we've theorized, and I think we're going to find out Uh, How that's going to play out at the very end of this issue Now back to comics And Domino is still fighting off some nesters She questions how many times these things are going to reveal smaller humanoids as As it would seem with each death another emerges And so she figures, screw it all And just starts tossing grenades Colossus then takes a big nester, a big monstrous one And throws it into the sun Uh, Well, he throws him really far. We don't see it land, but... Still, we probably shouldn't assume that it's dead. But it's good enough for Domino and Beast. Now, with the job done, Colossus heads back to the Savage Land. Says, you know, I'm, I'm still not back. So, there you go. Elsewhere, Phoebe Cuckoo and Quentin Quire are making out in a bush. They part company, and Quentin appears to be over the moon in love. Just then... Stop me if you heard this one before. He is stabbed in the heart by the Cerebro sword. You get it? Quentin dies in every issue. This, this is funny, right? 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 Come on, laugh, damn it. Come on, this is funny. No, no, it's not. Stop this. Ah, boy, a dying choir is then drop-kicked through a nearby gateway by that tiny Russian nester. He emerges out the other side at the feet of Mikhail Rasputin. Mikhail re- removes the Cerebro sword out of Quentin's corpse, and it would appear that we're off to the races. That's X Force number 11. Next time, we will be talking about Excalibur number 11, which uh, does not have a path to X of 10s little tab on it. We're still another world there. We're still another world. But, yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Now, let's talk about this one. First thing right off the bat. What an awesome Colossus vs. Omega Red fight in this issue, huh? Yeah, I I don't even know Um, And I'm sorry, my main takeaway from this issue Is is totally being informed by the sour taste I have left in my mouth From the ending gag And the overused gimmick of this book Killing Quentin Quire, or really any character For comedic effect? Stop it, this isn't funny I think we're supposed to be, like, uproariously laughing at this. Like, these scenes of Quentin dying are like Kramer bursting into Jerry's apartment on Seinfeld. We're, like, we're like supposed to laugh and applaud, right? Only it's not funny. And it never was. Who, who were they writing this for? Certainly not X-Men fans. I mean, sure, Quentin is a little jerk. That's kind of his entire character. But this is just dumb. I did see an upcoming cover for X-Force, from an issue of Marvel Previews And it has Quentin Quire on it Wearing a t-shirt that says something along the lines of Like, I was killed or I died a hundred times And all I got was this stupid t-shirt Which tells me that This gimmick isn't dying anytime soon And that sucks Because this isn't funny This really isn't funny We talk a lot about how humor doesn't land all the time In these Dawn of X books This is another case of it not And I mean, we've also talked a lot Probably too much about the devaluing of death in these books And while death doesn't carry the same sort of weight as it had in the past Can we at least treat it with a tiny bit of respect? I mean, even Cecilia Reyes, she dies early in this issue I don't know that she's ever died before This might be her first actual death And it was met with a shrug and a Oh well, well, we'll bring her back, no big deal That's not good That's not good writing, that's not good storytelling, that's just not good world building. That's not good. Hopefully our eventual destination will make these more irritating parts of the journey seem worthwhile in hindsight. I'm not holding my breath. What else we got here? The Russian nesting dolls, which is pretty clever, as I mentioned. Um, I still wonder, though, where exactly on the doll did the Russians touch our Dawn of X creative teams? It feels like like not, not only are we listening to the same record over and over, but it's stuck skipping on the same lyric. I mean, can we maybe get different threats, different villains? Hmm? Hopefully X of Tens and Beyond will deliver us some more interesting threats. I mean, they couldn't be any worse, right? Um, The Colossus and Domino scene felt kind of tacked on. Like it didn't get near as much play as I would have wanted it to. Especially considering it was some of the strongest stuff in this entire volume a couple issues back. I'm sure we'll be getting more out of Colossus, though, considering his weirdo brother looks to be the big bad for the next little while anyway. Uh, The art was nice, uh, suitably gory given the nesting doll gimmick. Um, Overall, though, this issue felt like a means to an end. Like, we had to get the Cerebro Sword into Mikhail's hands, and, uh, well, it's exactly what they did. Editorial footnotes would have been keen in the opening pages Considering we're picking up from a storyline In a whole other book without warning I'm really not sure what editors do nowadays But really, there should have been something here to tell us That we were picking up from Wolverine solo um, And which issues that folks should check out If they're interested in checking it out Though maybe they were doing the readers a kindness And not telling them where to find it Since that story wasn't all that great to begin with Uh, There is something on like the... uh, the roll call page that says, Wolverine and the Marauders, uh, you know, fought Russians It's like, but where? I mean, we know, I know, if you're listening you probably know But somebody just going into a comic store actually, you know, got bonked on the head and fell through a comic shop door and decided to buy something They're not going to have the first foggiest idea where to where to follow their stories And I mean, it's even confusing for us, so... What sort of hope would a brand new comic fan have going into this cold? But uh, that was X-Force number 11. Don't have a whole heck of a lot more to say about it. It's uh, Like I said, it was a means to an end. And uh, probably more than a little over-reliant on some overused gimmicks. So, that's that. Before we get out of here, let's hop into the mailbag here. And uh, again, if anybody wants to write in 90sXMen at gmail.com for the next little while. We're going to start with Damien. He's talking about Empire colon X-Men number three. He says, I didn't mind this issue. I know I'm damning with faint praise, but it was a perfectly fine action adventure. I might feel differently had I spent $5 on it. And I probably spent two fifty on it. I want to say that the Empire cash-ins were all 50% off at DCBS. I still feel ripped off. <laughs> Maybe this is a... Uh, this is a Marvel Unlimited You have to read it there to, to get anything out of it Sort of a situation uh, Damien continues I particularly love the Beast scene Whoever wrote that part of the story is clearly not reading X-Force I'm slightly worried That when Ben Percy reads this issue He'll feel the need to write a scene Where Beast has stolen some piece of science From horticulture during this issue And I mean it's funny you say that because As you know by now That's pretty much exactly what happens In the very next issue Um... But uh, like I said during our Empire discussions, I was so surprised Pleasantly surprised by the beast scenes Because uh, I mean, I stand by that this was probably The best use of the character in well Over a decade It felt like a happier and less evil Hank McCoy but, And I mean, that's not a fellow we've seen In way too long In the, uh, in the books these days Damien continues By the way, it's hawks Pox Docs Rocks as the new era is the Reign of X Following from X of Tens, there's a possibility that it might actually be Reign of Ten But I completely refuse to entertain that notion I swear Hickman is going to try to convince us that we've been reading the Ten Men for decades <laughs> and, Oh man, I hope it's not Reign of Ten, but I can—I bet it will be um, It's like Hickman can not still can't get over how Grant Morrison made it so Weapon X was actually Weapon Ten And now he's making it so like every single use of the letter X over the past 60 years was actually just a Roman numeral 10. And I mean, it was clever when Morrison did it. But this just feels forced, which feels like a criticism I levy at a lot of current year writers, especially those in Grant Morrison's Shadow. I mean, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not rewriting the language of comics. If all you're doing is amplifying what the writers who came before you already did. Uh, that's something we talked about a lot On uh, our Young Animal Gatherums With uh, Doom Patrol Because uh, Gerard Way The uh, lead singer of My Chemical Romance And uh, I guess he does comics When he feels like it uh, He was basically a Grant Morrison Tribute band Everything was was Morrison amped to, uh, to, to Eleven And it missed So much of the charm In Morrison's work By just repeatedly just, like, punching you in the face with the fact that, hey, this is like Morrison, this is like Morrison, and, uh, it's like, just stop. (laughs) Please, just stop. Uh, Damien continues. You talk about the rest of the Marvel universe, and crossovers in general really brings up a lot of my issues with comics. I love comics, and I'm not averse to crossovers. I discovered U.S. Marvel with The Mutant Massacre, and DC with Millennium, and I bought every issue I could get my hands on. But back then, comics were 40 pence each. I could buy you the entire Mutant Massacre for four pound eighty. I think that's how you say that, which is less than you spend on one issue of Empire X-Men. Millennium was much bigger cost was a much bigger cost at eighteen pounds for forty five issues. This four part series is more expensive than that. Expecting readers to buy all the crossovers is ultimately going to contract your readership because many people will not be able to spend the two hundred plus pound necessary to follow the line wide crossover. Numerous times over the years, I've dropped books because they're in perpetual crossover, and I was getting an incomplete story. At present, I'm only buying X-Books from Marvel, and I'm not getting all of them. Although I did buy all of X of Tens. I buy nothing from DC. I'm more likely to drop a book or skip an issue if it it has a tie-in to a crossover I don't like. I loved X of Tens, but I imagine there were people who hated it. During X of Tens, Marauders published three issues, which only included one character from the Marauders cast, Storm. I imagine the people who weren't into X of Tens will have dropped Marauders in anger, and I'd understand why. That's a great point, and um, it reminds me of that story of why Peter David left X-Factor shortly after Executioner's Song back in the early 90s. I want to say it was X-Factor number 83, it's got a, uh, it's got a very striking cover. It's uh, almost completely black, with uh, Bishop, Wolverine, and Cable on it. And that entire issue, I want to say, featured zero members from the actual X Factor cast. It was just Bishop, Wolverine, and Cable. I couldn't imagine how folks who didn't read the entire line must have felt about that, because I'm sure there had to have been at least a handful of X Factor only readers out there. Just as I'm sure there's probably at least a handful of Marauders-only readers nowadays. I- I've talked to some people who have said, Marauders is my book. That's my only X-book. Because it's the only one they like. So I'm sure there are people out there who are probably very irritated. And I think the industry, they're so over-reliant on exploiting us. And uh, exploiting the... The addicted, right? And the compulsive, like like myself. Where they don't realize how easy a habit this is to kick for normal people. Right? For people who are more mentally balanced than I. Uh, something we talked about in a Weird Comics History episode where we discussed the fifth week was talking about the, the the habitual buyer. You know, someone who goes to the comic shop every week because they go to the comic shop every week and then might pick up a couple issues. But on the fifth week, if they go and Marvel didn't put anything out and DC didn't put anything out, and they didn't get their Spider-Man or their Superman or their Batman comic that week, it's pretty easy for them to realize, hey, maybe I don't need this in my life. You know, I I didn't get it last week and I didn't miss it. So it's like, maybe take better care of the the, the people who are left. Uh, Having none of the Marauders cast, barring Storm, in those issues that's very um it's very wrong headed but it's also very marvel it's it stinks now the uh, the endless crossovers was actually one of the reasons why i've dropped a lot of my marvel pull list um i've long said that i used to be the the one of everything marvel zombie every single thing with a marvel logo on it i didn't care if it was reprints i didn't care if it was uh, X-Men animated series manga tie-ins I, I didn't care about any of that If it said Marvel I was buying it. but nowadays there's just no way to justify such an unnecessary expense. I mean I've dropped complete families of books because there was just no way to do it And it and, you know when you think about it it's not as though any of these crossovers will actually hold up, right These aren't seminal stories being told. These are just the quarterly you know, Blockbuster popcorn comics Right They're not going to hold up And hell, I mean A year or two down the line We're going to be told Like Hey, everything we thought we knew About that crossover You all dropped $300 on A couple years ago Was wrong Anyway Right I mean, it's It's just a Marvel method (laughs) And it sucks But, uh I'm too weak to To stop supporting it So I guess I'm You know, I'm part of the problem (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is But uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts there, Damien Next, uh, Andrew Franklin is talking about X-Factor number one He says, I was so certain I was going to hate this comic I thought this was going to be 100% everything I dislike about modern Marvel comics Snarky quips, everyone speaking like a 20-something on the internet, meta-references, oh-so-wacky gags like Amazing Baby, tonal whiplash between ironic irreverence and emotionally overwrought seriousness. And while those elements are there, I didn't hate it. By the end of the book, I actually quite liked it, which was a huge surprise. And yeah, this was a pretty good issue. I can't say that it lived up to the hype that I'd given it, um, but I did have a good time with it. I was kind of walking the line with this one because I'd heard so many good things about it, so I was kind of psyched. But I also expected irreverence and millennial humor, and like you said, there is a bit of that, but certainly not to the extent that I had braced for. I was expecting it to be like... I can't even think of a millennial reference to... (laughs) To say, But I was expecting it to be a difficult read A cringy read But uh, it was not It was actually quite good uh, Andrew continues B-List X-Men are my sweet spot So I really like the cast Well, those I'm familiar with Polaris and Rachel Summers have long been favorites of mine I'm not really sure what their characters are like nowadays And this issue didn't do a great job of sh- really showing them to me Since everyone kind of had the same voice The little we did get, like Polaris talking to Magneto, I did like. Maybe after this setup issue, we'll have more time for characterization. And I hope so, too. Uh, This was a fine bringing the team together sort of outing, and I'm guessing characterization will follow. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'd almost bet money that before long we'll get an issue where they all go to visit Doc Samson for therapy. Because of course they will. Um, (laughs) Andrew continues... I really I really enjoyed the focus on Northstar. I'm not sure how prominent he's been since Eve of Destruction the last time I remember seeing him, but I always felt he and Aurora would make solid B-list X-Men. We shouldn't hold their Alpha Flight membership against them. Him being made team leader was a nice surprise. It certainly made me interested to keep reading. And yeah, Northstar has kind of been in and out of the X-Books since uh, Eva Destruction. Uh, If Eva Destruction is what I'm thinking of, that was the temporary Pauli Previsano team that uh, Gene put together, right? I think that's the one. Now he would figure, uh, Northstar that is, he would figure somewhat prominently, uh, actually unfortunately prominently during the Chuck Austin run, uh, he was basically there to uh, be very, very gay. Um, and I was recently revisiting uh, There's a fellow named Paul O'Brien uh, Who, if you're an X-Men fan You should probably check out some of his writing here uh, He used to do, or he probably still does The X-Axis, where he reviews basically every X-Men book And has done so for well over 20 years at this point point. And I was revisiting his uh, X-Axis archives uh, Checking out his X-Men review pieces From earlier, you know, turn of the century it's something I do probably probably every end of the year. It's one of those rituals I have where I just, you know, check back in on some things. And I happened to cross his look at Uncanny X Men from two thousand two. And in his piece he summed up the year as follows. Quote, What happened in two thousand two? The X Corps storyline? Nightcrawler's Crisis of Religious Faith, The Vanishers' drug-dealing empire is destroyed. Black Tom Cassidy and the Juggernaut in Scotland. Annie Gazikhanian arrives at the mansion. Northstar joins, and boy, is he gay. Because that was the only characterization he got. I mean, these were very different times, of course, but uh, poor Northstar just couldn't catch a break. He was only relevant in that book because he was gay, and Chuck Austin never let anyone forget that. Um, While I'm talking about the X-axis... I recommend any of Paul O'Brien's X-Men discussions to anyone listening. Um, I haven't read his current year stuff because I don't want to accidentally spoil myself on anything, but I can't say enough good things about his archives. Um, I believe he's now at like House to Astonish. I think that's the show that he's on. But uh, he's got a ton, a, a huge catalog of uh, of excellent X-Men reviews. It's really, really good stuff. He's the guy who wrote... About Mutant X and uh, those reviews about the later issues of Mutant X, the Howard Mackie book featuring Havoc. If you haven't read those, it's good stuff. Definitely something worth checking out. But back to North Star, uh, he'd later be part of the Astonishing cast, post-Joss Whedon. There he would be rushed into a wedding storyline so that Marvel could beat DC to doing it. And uh, they could also get Whoopi Goldberg to hold the, the comic up on The View. Basically it. Uh, Andrew continues, The other team members I know nothing about. Prodigy and iBoy seem useful in the CSI Krakoa book. I liked how the team got to showcase all their abilities during this issue. It brought me back to Moratory Mondays and how you and Chris Bailey would highlight when the Strike Force did that. Just like in that book, I thought it was well illustrated why these characters make a good team, as well as giving a very basic introduction to people like me who were reading some of these characters for the very first time. This was really good first-issue fundamentals. And yeah, the, uh, it's funny, the moratory powers-in-tandem gimmick was exactly what popped in my head when I was reading this. And you're right, this is a great way to introduce these lesser-known and potentially completely unknown to some, to, to some readers, you know, these characters. All but Dakin, or Dakin, because, uh, dang, they, they just wouldn't stop beating the dust out of that rug. That was a little much. A little little unsubtle uh, Andrew continues I thought the art was a perfect fit for this book I don't think this look would go as well With the violence of X-Force And if uh, Lionel Francis you were drawing this It would look far too serious for the script to work I think the art here straddles the line And it needs to To make the jokiness work While also looking good for the more serious scenes This look really helped sell the book to me It should also be mentioned That this was a 39 page book Which probably did a lot to make this issue read so well and yeah, this artist, um, while he's not my favorite, uh, I will definitely say he's a better fit here than anywhere I've seen him before. I, I was not taken out of the story by his work, where in previous books, I want to say he was on FF. Uh, when when Hickman was on it, as a matter of fact, uh, when he split off, I think either Fantastic Four was canceled or was running concurrently with FF. Uh, this is where, post-spoiler you know, alert, Johnny Storm's death and Spider-Man joined up. I want to say Baldeon was artist late in that run, and I did not care for it. Uh, but here, it's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Uh, Andrew continues, I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed X-Factor number 1. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the rest of this series goes. I'm also surprised at just how much I enjoy these Wave 2 books. Well, all except Wolverine. <laughs> Hopefully that enjoyment lasts. And yeah, Wave 2 has been quite the pleasant surprise. Um, I really wasn't sure what to expect out of books like Cable and Hellions. You know, um, I had a pretty good idea what we'd be getting out of Wolverine. And, well, yeah, that's exactly what we wound up getting. But everything else has been a very pleasant surprise. And I'm happy to say uh, three out of four ain't bad, right? So that's that's a good thing. Uh, Andrew wraps up with, it's literally taken me a week to get this email out, so if you read this before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Birthday. And until there's a gritty reboot of Kids Incorporated, make mine X-Lapsed. Well, I did get this before Christmas and before my birthday, so thank you so, so much. And I hope everyone had a uh, had a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, mine was different than usual, but uh, very, very nice, very enjoyable, and uh, hated to see it end. Still do. Uh, it's... Probably one of the reasons it's been such a hard few days. It's uh, you get that post-holiday blues sort of setting in, and uh, this year, I think I think so many of us, considering the rough year we had, I think we put a lot of uh, a lot of our hopes in the holiday season as a distraction or just a happy place, and uh, it definitely delivered for me. But uh, it makes the days after it. Kind of rough Because the The lows kind of mirror The highs So As great as Everything was Now it's Now it's not <laughs> And it's different But uh Thank you so so much And uh That's where we'll leave it For today Still got a few messages In the hopper That hopefully If uh, If anybody Listening wrote those Please forward them To that other email address 90sxmen At gmail.com So I can actually uh Share them On the program here Um I guess with that said, hey, if you'd like to write in, you could do so. You could find me at uh, Ace Comics on Twitter or at 90sXmen at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrissoninfiniteearths.com. We also have xlapsed.chrissoninfiniteearths.com. You can chat with us about all sorts of stuff over on Facebook at 90sXmen. And you could check out the entire audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. That'll do it for today. I want to thank everyone so, so much for hanging out and sharing your time. And as always, I will talk to you all again real soon. See ya.